Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low-budget show. It's the show so low it has no budget. And if you want to hear that in dog talk, bark, bark, woof, woof, bark, bark, woof, woof, bark, growl, budget. No budget for barking. Yep, it's 2022, and this is the year that everything's supposed to culminate into something beautiful for humanity. We're finally going to get our bearings together and get out of this terrible era we've been a part of. But that doesn't look like it's going to be the case because we are literally 10 days in and shit has hit the fan so hard that it sucks. And it kind of hurts, doesn't it? Just the way things are going. But the geek wave is still here for the time being. Maybe it'll go away. It, it won't unless something happens to me, which I probably just jinxed myself there, but whatever. So yeah, it's 2022. New year, new geek wave. We got a bunch of stuff coming up and I think... This episode is going to bleed into a second part, because this time around we're going to be talking about the best cartoon, Dogs, and if you can t talk about dogs here, you could imagine that the next time around we could be discussing a different type of animal. What will that be? You'll have to wait and see, but it's Dogs this week, very exciting, really fun. It's an honor of nothing. I just said dogs. It's time for dogs because dogs are fun and we're going to talk about dogs. But before that, we do have a couple pieces of news and uh, I don't like talking about tragedy on this show, but we're literally, you know, 10 days into the new year and there's been a lot of tragedy to talk about. So there's been a couple celebrity deaths worth of note that I, I don't really want to touch on, but I'm going to bring them up anyways. Betty White died on New Year's Eve, and talk about a storied career, a legendary woman who just challenged the norms of the time and did so much for, you know, people's rights and activist shit. She was just fantastic and dearly missed. She was so close to 100, and I'm super impressed with the career she had and the fact that she was able to stay strong for over 80 decades, 80 decades, 80 years is impressive, and... I commend her for the work she's done, and she's been an incredible comedian, an incredible actress, and she will be missed by millions around the world. And if that wasn't the worst of it, in the same year, well, not the same year, because that was right on New Year's Eve, in 2022, at the start of the year, we also lost Peter Bogdanovich, who is a great director and acclaimed director of the certain, you know, coming into the new era of Hollywood. I did a video on The Last Picture Show last week, Man, was he a talented director who never really got the recognition he deserved sometimes. And literally around the same time as his passing, we also lost Sidney Poitier, who, my God, you want to talk about a man who defined Hollywood the same way Betty White did. Like, Sidney was incredible. The films he made in, like, that one span where it's, like, in the heat of the night to Sir with Love and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. My goodness, you want to talk about, like, some films that impacted the world, impacted a, a culture those were the films and he was 94 and it's just amazing the work that some of these people did and all of these people just acclaimed in their respective fields and surely missed by the world and unfortunately that's not all that has happened in terms of celebrities passing because just the other day we got confirmation that while on tour in his hotel room Bob Saget died the cause of which is still unclear and wow that that he was so young he's 65 and you're just like that is a lot to deal with and I can't even imagine how you must feel 
being somebody who grew up with, you know, Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos and all that stuff because he was just there. He was always a part of, you know, just like the culture and everything. And seeing him go, that's kind of just a lot to deal with. And sad he was so young, but he's a talented actor who left his mark on the world. And we will never forget any of these amazing, talented people. So I, I don't normally like bringing up celebrities passing or anything like that in this, but these are all incredibly talented and amazing people that they deserve to be recognized. So rest in peace to all of you. Let's get on with the rest of the bullshit that is this week's news breakdown. So we have a couple of really terrible pieces of news to talk about. Well, I guess terrible in a way that they're nobody dying. <laughs> so Morbius has been delayed again. Surprise, surprise, there's a bunch of stuff that can factor into this. One, we're in like the third wave of pandemic and the Omicron is spreading rapidly and things are going to go bad really fast. That's probably what the real reason is. Or if you're a cynical person like me, Sony is overreacting to No Way Home and they saw that, hey, people liked that we had Garfield and Maguire in here. Why don't we set up a new universe of one of them over here? That's the cynic in me. I hope that's not the case where they're doing extensive reshoots to fit in something else because at this point, this movie was supposed to come out in July of 2020. There is nothing that this film could do that would work anymore. So dump it, get rid of it. We will move on with our lives. Just put it out there so nobody else has to touch this thing. Then we'll all be okay. So that's Morbius. That is still happening apparently. Don't, don't know why, but we're getting a Morbius film on April 1st, just when it couldn't be a bigger joke. April 1st is the drop date of a Morbius the Living Vampire movie starring famous cult leader and sex pest Jared Leto in the title role. I, I'm amazed this exists, and I think the fact that we've only seen like one trailer proves that it might not even be a real movie, but we'll have to wait and see, but man is that weird. Uh, so April 1st, Morbius is on the horizon. Stay tuned for that, I guess, because we will be talking about it. I guess. <laughs> now, this piece of news I just wanted to bring up because I think it's fantastic. So, Patty Jenkins was dropped or she removed herself from the Cleopatra situation, which I get completely. But the brilliant mind that is Gal Gadot's publishing team <laughs> just said... We'll talk about Cleopatra because we're still making that movie. So Gal's words, and I'm not going to quote it perfectly here. Gal was like, she's going to be smart. She's going to be funny. She's going to be a powerful woman. And in, a, in an era where you don't see that, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. That's all we see from Cleopatra films. Like, <laughs> it's just, I am astonished by how much Gal can say about a property that just makes me not care about it. I want to see a Cleopatra film because I think there is something historically significant about that woman. And I think the Elizabeth Taylor one is insane. But Gal Gadot as Cleopatra just does not sound appealing without Patty Jenkins. Because I think Patty is the only director so far that has made Gal Gadot sound like a real person. And by real person, I don't mean like oh, she sounds like a stupid bimbo when she's not there, but every time Gal is used in another situation, it never comes across as she's delivering a great performance. So this is scary. 
And the fact that Gal's like, it's going to be like a, a defying movie about this woman struggling in this power. I'm like, yeah, we've seen that a million times. And I'm not saying anything bad about that. I'm just like, you're, you're not saying anything special about this. So I'm just amazed that Gal... I mean, I'm not amazed that Gal Gadot is making a Cleopatra film. I'm just amazed that she is so tone deaf in the way she's talking about it. Where it's not going to be this revolutionary thing because you yourself are not a revolutionary actress. You've literally just defied Wonder Woman for a new generation when people like Linda Carter have been doing that since the 70s. So I, I don't understand what's happening with this film. And at this point, I'm too scared to ask it to stop existing. But here we are talking about a Cleopatra film in 2022 with the most tone-deaf woman. She also talked about like her Imagine video where she's like, I guess the timing was wrong and you know, sometimes you just miss the mark. I'm like, oh yeah, you're getting a bunch of millionaires together to sing a song about how these times are hard. That missed the mark, gal? Like, what? what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's just an insane woman who, what are her other comments she made the other day? She's like, if I could give birth every week, I would. Why? You already have three kids, whatever. It's just weird to me. So that I cannot wait to talk about that Cleopatra movie if it ever gets made. Because I feel like I'm going to have a lot to say. Speaking of having a lot to say, I have a lot to say on this topic too. So a couple of weeks back, we talked about the Tom Holland Fred Astaire biopic that's in the works. Well, on top of, you know, the biggest A-listers in the world making movies about the biggest A-listers of yesteryear, it looks like that Chris Evans is tapped to star in and produce this movie about Gene Kelly, but it's not that kind of movie about Gene Kelly. It's like this kid that works on a studio lot and he's like his best friend is Gene Kelly. Okay, so this feels like we can do Jojo Rabbit, but about Hollywood, which I, I think that's a terrible idea. I won't even try that. This also goes into something I really hate, which is famous people playing other famous people. Like if you're going to get a biopic made about you, please don't get the biggest name in Hollywood to play you because it never works. First off, Chris Evans looks nothing like Gene Kelly. There is no resemblance there whatsoever. You put a, you take the beard off. No, there's nothing. They look nothing alike. Ben Affleck looks more like Gene Kelly. And I don't think Ben Affleck would have the gull or the idea. He, he wouldn't even consider doing a Gene Kelly role because it's just stupid and unheard of. It's the same thing with Astaire in Holland. Like Holland is literally like years younger than Astaire was in the prime of his career. So what the hell are they thinking of casting this kid who looks nothing like Fred? It's just, I don't want this to become the standard trope where it's like, we're going to get Chris Hemsworth next to, you know, play the, the who's the Paul Newman or something like don't it never works and it never comes across as authentic and I really don't need to see I know Chris Evans is a song and dance man but I don't want to see this because he looks nothing like Gene Kelly and it can't be authentic it's going to be like the greatest showman where it's going to look beautiful but completely miss the point of how terrible or weird these people are. I'm not saying Gene Kelly's terrible. I'm just saying, like, you're missing the point of it when you're trying to make this beautiful. It's like Bohemian Rhapsody. Stop this. This isn't how you tell a story about Queen. And you can't tell a real story about Queen because it's weird. What I will say, though, is when you're doing biopics, I think the Motley Crue's The Dirt one worked really well because the guys all worked on it. And they're like, yeah, we really are fucking crazy. So look how weird we can make this. But man, just Chris Evans as Gene Kelly, that is so stupid. And I 
don't want to see it at all because there's nothing similar about their facial structures and it sucks. You know, going off that tangent about actors playing other actors, we got confirmation finally. This has been in the talks for a while that the director of Call Me By Your Name will be making a Audrey Hepburn biopic for Apple+. Plus. They cast somebody. It is a great choice. It is Rooney Mara. And I, I know I literally just got off my horse saying, don't put Chris Evans or Holland in these films. Rooney Mara makes sense to me. Not only just because she looks like Hepburn almost perfectly, but she is not a household name. There are people that know Rooney Mara, people that respect her and love her work, but you can't walk into any house, hold up a picture of her and have people instantly recognize her like you could of Holland or Hemsworth or Evans, I should say. Like, that is not what I want to see. And I think this is just like the better idea of that because it actually makes sense. It actually works. And Audrey Hepburn's a fascinating character who should be studied in a great way. And I feel like getting an, a director who isn't trying to make this pretty is going to do a good job. It's going to be romanticized, of course. But why shouldn't it be? This should feel like Spencer, in my opinion, where it's like maybe set over like one time where her marriage is slow, where maybe she's after one of the miscarriages and she's at this weird place. And maybe it's right before she goes to do Breakfast at Tiffany's. Her career is in an interesting place and she's trying to experiment. And suddenly the culture is seeing her in one way when she thinks she can be another way. And maybe she does something interesting with that. So I like this idea. Rooney Mara is a great actress. I want to see do more. And you can expect by the time of this release and this being made... More Audrey Hepburn content will be coming to the channel. We already did a geek wave talking about this amazing woman. So more Audrey Hepburn news coming soon, hopefully. Because this is what I want compared to the Cleopatra shit. I will say that forever and ever. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come bark, we're going to be barking the woofing of the woofing dog cartoon. Woof dog, woof growl. Now, I use the term cartoon loosely because as I'm looking at my list, I'm like, oh, some of these are actually from comic strips and from books, but they've been adapted into cartoons before, so I'm putting it on the list. It counts. So, cartoon dogs. There's a huge history of them. People love them. People hate them. Cartoon dogs. One thing I did notice while I'm making my list... And I put them all together. I got it. I got 12, 13. I don't know how many here. I'm looking at this list. I look at this list and there's one like big thing I noticed right away. All of these dogs are dudes. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess there's no iconic female dog. And if there is, I missed it. Oh, wait, no, there's, mm, is that a, is that a female? Hmm. Yes, I think. Okay. I got one on my list. That's a that's a girl let's start with that one actually let's start with the one that i think i think they've confirmed this is a girl is it blues clues okay so blues clues is technically cartoon in some of the interpretations well steve is still a live action person so i think blues clues is a girl dog there's the other one that's like purple that is a girl or a boy whatever so blues clues the best cartoon dogs you have to put blues clues on the list for one solid reason she's a detective she solves clues she understands the world she is smart she is capable to me there's some categories for the best cartoon dog you have to be loyal you have to be smart and you have to be dog-like 
Those are all important dog things. You're loyal. She's loyal to Steve. She's always there at his side. Even when his cousin or whoever shows up randomly, just like, hey, I'm going away for a while. My buddy's going to watch Blue in the house for a bit. That's fine. Like, she's still there to help out and do some good stuff. So that's pretty cool. She is smart. She solves crimes. Was it crimes? No, it's just kid crimes or stuff around the house, but still a very capable dog. And that's pretty cool to see. I do like seeing that. And just just all around dog-like, just a fun, intelligent, cool dog. Blue's Clues is probably the coolest dog out there. I think out of everyone on this list, Blue's is the one. Oh, let me look again here. I'm like, which dog would I like to own personally? Let's go. Let's do that for every category, actually. Which one do I think would be the easiest dog to take care of? Blue would be easy because she's smart enough to know when her food bowl is empty and she isn't going to hassle you about it. So I'd really like to take care of Blue. But I don't know. Maybe she won't make the top of the list of the best dog to have here. I, I do think she'd be fun, though. And we'd have some really encouraging times and she'd just be a really good hang. Everyone would like to come over to your house and just see Blue. And Blue's Clues is just a fun show that teaches kids, you know, to learn and to care and to cherish the world around you. So that's awesome. Blue's Clues, Blue's Blue the dog, Blue. She's fun. She's cool. But my first one on my list I actually wrote was Pluto. Because Pluto, of course, is Mickey Mouse's dog. And when it comes to being the most dog-like, I think Pluto kind of tops the list here because Pluto is literally a silent dog who just acts like a dog in a universe where animals talk. Did we ever confirm that Goofy was a dog? Did we confirm that? Because I, I have Goofy like, is Goofy a dog? Goofy could be a dog. I should point out anamorphic animals are on this list too. So if it's like a humanoid dog-like thing, that's on the list. Goofy is a dog or a cow. I always pictured Goofy as a cow, but he doesn't have like the Clarabelle nose. So he's kind of dog-like. But if you're speaking of just like truly a dog, Pluto's the best. He's loyal. He's tough. He's sarcastic. He has his own adventures. There's Pluto cartoons where he's off doing his own thing. And he's just the most interesting dog out there. He also has probably got one of the most distinctive looks. Like you just see a silhouette or you just see the color and you're just like, oh, there's no other dog with that color. That is clearly Pluto. And Pluto is just really fun to look at and he's really interesting. And I think I've probably seen more Pluto than I have, well, anybody on this list just because Pluto is just, you know, so iconic. And watching all those old, you know, Disney stuff, you just instant instinctively understand that that's Pluto. I think he's badass. I think he's way more badass than Goofy. So does he make the dog criteria? Is he loyal? Yes, he's super loyal to Mickey. He defends Mickey and his friends. He's cool. Is he intelligent? He's smart, but sometimes he can be played up for the goof because it's a cartoon and we have to be silly sometimes. And would he overall is he a good dog? I'd say he is a good dog. He doesn't, you know, do anything instinctively wrong. He behaves like a dog. He's smart. He's loyal. And again, it's another one on that list where I could definitely take care of him. I could definitely see myself having a Pluto, just like a loyal dog who goes walks on me. He sees a hot dog maybe being taken away by Chip and Dale, and he instinctively goes to run and capture the hot dog. Because remember that Chip and Dale Park Rangers reboot they did, or like Life in the Park or something that Disney Plus did last year? Pluto was in the first episode of that, and he just wanted a bunch of nuts. So I could definitely see myself relating to, you know, Pluto if we just go hunting for like food out in the middle of a grocery store, and he finds like some samples, and he's like, hey, let's go here. Like, yeah, dude, let's go there. So, of course, Pluto is just the best. Definitely better than Goofy. Because Goofy himself, I, you, you could probably, if we are considering Goofy a dog, 
which I don't know if you can because he drives a car and he talks with like a mouse and a duck. Like he hangs out with them. That's not like super dog like and he's not treated as like a pet or like a dog. He's like a, a humanoid thing, which I know I just said those are on the list. But taking all that into account, Goofy is still useless. He still gets himself hurt. If, if we consider the Goofy movie Goofy to be separate from the, the Pluto universe Goofy, then that Goofy's a little more useful because he's a caring dad and he's a good guy. Like, he would be a great dad. If we do a list of cartoon dads, Goofy might be on the list, but since we're doing dogs, I can't put Goofy above Pluto. I stick to one per universe and I have other categories like that. He wins. He obviously wins because Pluto's badass. And then from Pluto, we get the probably the third most iconic dog, Snoopy. And again, Snoopy is from Charlie Brown, which, you know, is comic strips and all that, but I had to put it in here because it's Snoopy. He's probably one of the most iconic cartoon characters of all time. And he is so funny. There are so many great... Like the Snoopy show that's on Apple TV. I binge watched every episode of that just because it's Snoopy. He is funny. He has a full range of emotion. He can go on little adventures with his buddy. He's just enjoyable. He's so cute and fun. And I could just endlessly watch Snoopy stuff because the guy is just so charismatic. And he's like a little rebel. He's like a bad boy. He's like, hey, I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to pretend I'm flying a plane. Then I'm actually going to go fly a plane. And I'm going to actually fall in love with somebody who's like a French pilot or something. It's going to be sick. Snoopy's badass. He, he probably on like the list of every dog here. I think he holds contention to be the one that would walk away if they were ever to all fight. Because Snoopy is not only a ruthless killer because we've seen him take down the Red Baron a bunch. Or see the Red Baron? Either way, we've seen him take down planes before. He's just, you know, angry and aggressive. But he's also got some sincerity to him. Which makes Snoopy the perfect type of dog. He's loyal. He is loyal to Charlie, he is loyal to Woodstock, he is a little, like, you know, passive-aggressive at times, but hey, half the dogs on this list are. He is intelligent, we know he is capable of flying, so not every other dog on this list can fly a plane, so that's how you know Snoopy's intelligent. And is he overall a good dog? Absolutely. He's just fun, he's energetic, he's got the right spirit, he has his own doghouse, he can do his own adventure, but he's still going to come back to you. And I think that's something I'd look for if I was ever, like, you know, taking care of a dog, is like, could we be fiercely independent without each other? You know, you get Blue, I think Blue could go on her own thing, and I think Pluto himself could do his own thing, so could Snoopy. Snoopy could just like, hey, I'm going to go do this for a bit if you're off to, like, work, or you're just going to get groceries or something, I'm just going to hang out here. Maybe I'm going to fall in love. Maybe I'm going to fly a plane. Maybe I'm just going to hang out with my best friend. Whatever. It's just shit that's happening. And I think that's a really cool thing to see. And that leads us to my next one on the list, which is probably... I had to put him on just because he's an iconic dog and a lot of people know him. And he is a cartoon dog. That is Brian Griffin from Family Guy. And everything I said about Blue and Pluto and Snoopy could be said the opposite for Brian because Brian is an idiot and an asshole and he's a hypocrite and he's a sex sexual predator and just a terrible dude but he's fun to watch I do think there is the big shift in Family Guy where you can really see the earlier seasons Brian is the voice of reason who's like Peter you're acting like a dumbass too Brian is so just falsely conservative or falsely stupid that he wants to sound intelligent instead of actually being intelligent, and he's interested in all the wrong things in people. 
and that just makes you hate him a little bit but there's still some jokes that come from it when he's not the butt of the joke and you can get sick of him really quick but brian is a famous dog and he's an author which i guess is impressive not that the book is cool or anything that's something he's got in his favor but does he meet our criteria of things that dogs are is he loyal no Brian Griffin is not loyal. He will probably do whatever he wants to serve his best interest. He is loyal to the Griffins in a sense, but he would betray Peter at a moment's notice to get with Lois. He would probably be loyal to Stewie, if anybody, but who really knows? Is he intelligent? Well, no, not really. He thinks he's intelligent, but he's really not. And is he all around a good dog? Not in the slightest. He's probably an asshole who you wouldn't want to spend time with. And he's the first one on this list where I'm like, I do not want to take care of you. I do not want to have you in my life. I would just feel the urge to beat his head with a chair every second that it arose because I don't want to spend time with him. I don't want to be around him, but he's an iconic dog. And he is probably one of the best because it goes to show you when you are a dog in a cartoon where things are stupid and silly, sometimes the part that you're a dog gets underplayed. Now, would the character of Brian work as well if he wasn't a dog? Probably not. It probably would just become like the annoying middle kid that nobody really likes. But the fact that Brian Griffin exists at all is a detriment to the fact that we can progress narratively backwards in stories. So we start off with something great and we become something that we were a parody of to begin with. Which sucks because there's generally something good you could have done there and you didn't. So... Good luck with that, and doesn't it does not matter in the slightest, does it? Because everybody involved in Family Guy makes more money than me. Stick, sticking to the theme of dogs from famous cartoons of people, Santa's Little Helper. This is important because this dog is just a dog. Like, there's probably the least amount of information on him out there, but that's fine. I think Santa's Little Helper is a completely fine dog. There's nothing significantly special about him. There's nothing significantly interesting about him. He serves his purpose. He gets angry when he needs to. He's the butt of the joke when he needs to. When they focus episodes on Santa's Little Helper, it can sometimes be weird. Like, the first episode, it worked perfectly because they saved the dog from the track because Homer lost the money and he became their Christmas gift and... Then, I think since then, he's been used sparingly because there's not really much else you can do with the dog besides having him be there sometimes. Like, Bart's had an infinite number of pets aside from Santa's little helper. But whatever, the dog's good. Does he meet the criteria for dogs? Is he loyal? Yeah, he's loyal to Bart. He's loyal to Marge because Marge feeds him. He's kind of mad at Homer sometimes. He is loyal to the Simpsons to a T. And when the time comes, he will be negative towards Homer or Bart in certain situations. But that is just more episodically based and not really like a part of the character. Is he intelligent? He's as intelligent as any character on The Simpsons is intelligent. Every character on The Simpsons, aside from Lisa and Marge, can sometimes be played up for a joke in terms of their intelligence or their status in the world. So he's about there with somebody like Ned Flanders, where Ned is obviously smart and he's not stupid, but he can be played for the joke sometimes, which works perfectly fine. And overall, is he dog-like and does he act like a dog? Of course he does. He eats, he hunts, he humps things. He's a dog. He acts like a dog. He behaves like a dog. He's a damn right dog. And he's probably another one I don't want to take care of just because that's a racing dog. And if he ran away, I wouldn't want to catch up to him. And I just I just think he's way too like emotive for me. I want my dogs to either be like shooting down planes in World War II 
or chasing hot dogs around the park to share. That's what I look for in a dog. And the next dog, of course, has to be probably, I'd say, one of the most iconic. He literally just got a movie last year. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Again, comes from a children's book. Again, had a cartoon about him. So again, it counts as a dog from a cartoon. Clifford is just from a children's story. So he uh, he's just a dog, but he's big. And that is just a nuisance. So I can tell you right now, I'm not taking care of a 50-foot dog. That is just, I don't got the patience for that shit. And that's why I would never want to take care of Clifford. But I would like to be friends with the person that owned Clifford just because that is how you get by in the city. You're just riding a big dog to the movies and nobody would ever talk to you or bother you. I wouldn't want to take care of it because why do you feed a dog that big? That's a lot of dog food. That's a big shit you'd have to clean up, which I don't think any of the books or cartoons really get into. I understand why. Well, that's a weird story. If you want to do like a Riverdale version of Clifford, that's the story you're telling where you hire someone to clean up Clifford's shit. But it's a fun, it's a fun character. I do enjoy seeing Clifford a lot. I think he's fun. I think he's energetic. He has a lot to offer in this world, which is pretty cool to see. And he, he just makes for great storytelling because what kid doesn't want a big dog that's going to love them unconditionally? I only say that because I'm a grown man and I think that's a lot of paperwork and a lot of hassle just to house. But if I was a kid and my dog was the size of my house, that shit would be bussin'. Let me tell you, that shit would be fun. And we could just do a lot of cool stuff together. So does he meet the dog criteria? Is he loyal? I think he's loyal. He's never really went against was Maxine. Is that the girl? Emily. I think it's Emily, right? He's never really gone against Emily or any of the other dogs that are his friends. So he's loyal. He is intelligent enough in a kid's show. I think he's still like a young dog. So he's not like into his full maturity yet. But Clifford is still intelligent enough. And he is, he does behave like a dog and he does act like a dog. So he's better than... Brian and Santa's little helper. I'd rather have him than those two. But again, I do not live in a big house. I don't have anywhere where Clifford would fit. So he'd just be sitting in the backyard. And that leads us to, I would argue, next to oh, who next to Snoopy and Pluto, the most iconic cartoon dog is Scooby-Doo. And I think that's obvious because Scooby is just your best friend. He's the guy you'd hang out with. He's the guy you'd want to spend all your days with. You're just going to go around to the beach. You're going to go into the haunted house. You're going to freak out together. Just experience everything. And Scooby-Doo is just the coolest dog out there. Now, there are other dogs in the Scooby-Doo world, like Scrappy-Doo, who's just a little turd you could just stomp on and squish him dead. Scooby-Dumb, who is his stupid cousin, who's literally just played as a you know, disabled joke. It's not really that funny. Scooby-Doo's just the best. He's just the coolest. He's the most casual. He's the most calm. And well, I say calm when he's like, I'm just going to go freak out when something bad happens. But Scooby is your best friend. And that's why he's a dog you would want at your side. Scooby would just like wait for you outside if you went to school. You're walking down the street. You're passing the bakery. You guys are going to go in and get your treats. You're going to go down to the vape shop. You're going to start vaping some that good kabusha. You know, you're just going to go smoking up with Scooby-Doo. And that's the stuff you want in your dog. You just want to, <laughs> and he talks and it's like, yeah, that's perfect. If you have a dog that can talk, why not get one with a really weird lisp who will smoke with you? Like, that's all you can really ask for in a dog. That's a, you know, not, you know, 50 feet tall or flying a biplane. That's all you'd want, really. So 
does Scooby-Doo pass the dog test? Is he loyal? I think he is loyal to the mystery team. He's more loyal to Shaggy and Velma, of course. Is he intelligent? He can be stupid, but I don't say Shaggy's not an idiot. Shaggy is just, you know, loose feeling and having a good time. That He's a stoner, and not every stoner is an idiot. So I do think Scooby's intelligent, and I do think overall he is very dog-like. He has the behaviors of a dog. He runs like a dog. He acts like a dog. He will protect you in times so there needs to be protection, but he'll also be silly and goofy. So I, I do want Scooby-Doo. I would love to have Scooby-Doo. Could you imagine just chilling on a couch with your best buddy, a Great Dane? You're both eating from the same bowl of cereal, just watching the cartoons, and suddenly your other friends are like, hey, I'm taking this van, and we're going to go break into an amusement park because somebody there stole something. Meanwhile, you're high out of your mind if you're dog, and then suddenly you're just having like the time of your life. That's perfect. That would just be the dream come true. Now, this next one I did put on here. I, I I honestly haven't seen anything that they've been in for a very long time. That's Underdog. You got to put Underdog on the list just because it's a superhero dog. That is a genre that is so underlooked. And I guess you could put Crypto on this list too. I haven't really thought about putting Crypto on, but Crypto the Super Dog is an iconic super dog, cartoon dog. Superhero dogs is just genres that cross together. I don't know enough about underdog to really justify if he'd be a good dog or not but i don't want him because that's just a liability you're just going to get wrapped up into his own bullshit so i don't want him he's loyal yes he protects the city he's intelligent yes because he can fly and take care of you he's dog like yes dog is in his name he's underdog he will take care of you and all the same can be said for crypto except crypto i feel like he wouldn't relax with you so you couldn't really just like chill for a weekend with crypto but i guess you don't really need to whatever right so, we talked about Scooby-Doo already. There's a bunch of other dogs from the Hanna-Barbera universe that I was like, where do we put them? You know, you got Droopy, you got Huckleberry Hound, you got Augie Doggy, you got Kong Fooey. They're all great dogs, and they all represent this own place in their lives, and you even got Muttley in there too, and Dino Mutt, and there's so many dogs from the Hanna-Barbera universe that I just didn't like put them all on, mainly because when you are looking at that universe, it's Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is just the biggest dog from that era, and there's just a bunch of them that I just think you could do stuff with. I put Droopy on here because Droopy is just silly and creepy. Just a really interesting, depressed dog, and I think Huckleberry Hound is kind of the same way, where it's like, look at this like schlick-talking hillbilly dog just playing a banjo and acting like a lunatic. Those are kind of cool, but I don't really want to spend time with them. Like Kung Fu, obviously, is going to kick your ass. Augie Doggy, just a doggy Augie. Like, there's nothing to them. But out of those four, Droopy is the one that sticks out to me just because he's just depressed and weird. And I think that's kind of cool. And I, I do like Dino Mutt, but, you know, Crypto, Underdog, I think they are more iconic than, than Dino Mutt there just because, aside from what, the that movie that happened last year or two years ago with Scoob, who's really thought about Dino Mutt ever again, really? And Muttley is just like a grinning, conniving little bitch. So there's nothing special about him. And I have nothing nice to say about Muttley. But Huckleberry Hound, yeah, I could, hey, I could, you know, drink moonshine on a porch of Huck. I think that would be fun. I could definitely see being Droopy's therapist. So that could be kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. That's all I can say about them. They're loyal-ish, I guess. They're intelligent enough for a cartoon from that era. But then we got Odie, and Odie is just like, well, we'll be talking about the second half to Odie probably in the next episode we do. 
Odie is just fun. You know, he's just like the bright, energetic theater kid to your sad goth best friend who's depressed. Odie's awesome. Like, I would want to take care of Odie. He's another type of dog I'd have. It's just like that energy I could live with because it's exciting, it's creative, and I can handle it. You know, and he does clearly, Odie clearly passes the dog test. He's loyal. He's so loyal to John and to Garfield that you're like, yep. That's a, that's a team you want to see together. He is not that intelligent, but then again, kind of like Santa's little helper, it's like the intelligent will wane at the time where it needs to be intelligent. Obviously, the story focuses on Garfield, so he doesn't have to be the center of attention there, which is completely fine. And I think that's kind of cool. And he's just dog-like. He's just weird and bouncy and happy all the time, which I think speaks to the genre of dog that we get mainly dogs are pretty much just like upbeat compared to their respective feline counterpart which is kind of cool to see Odie's just you know a bundle of joy that's just wrapped up in a nice little bow that i'm sure anybody would want to hang out with so i like Odie for that reason he's a dog i'd like to have and he's probably one of the first to die if these guys were all fight each other now that i say it i think kung fu he could hold his own pretty good brian if he brought a gun could hold pretty good but i'm still giving the wind to snoopy Maybe this next one, because our next one, probably the most modern out of any of the dogs we've talked about, it's Jake the Dog from Adventure Time. And I, I'm planning at some point to talk about Adventure Time in depth because I think that is such an interesting series that really changed the landscape of children's cartoons or young adult cartoons. And I think Jake's a perfect example of how you do the sidekick character because he's calm, he's collected, he's mature, he can have his own adventure when he needs to be, and you can have the personal character growth from Jake. We literally see him meet a girl, fall in love, have kids, and become the dad. He's no longer just the crazy brother sidekick. He is the mature, responsible dad now. And that's a pretty cool just like journey to see him go through for those seasons. So I... Obviously, you can never really own Jake, and I don't think I'd want to have Jake as my dog. I'd want to have him as my roommate, where he's like, hey, I'm making breakfast. Do you want some? Or, hey, I'm done watching this show. Do you want to put on something on the telly and we'll just hang out for a bit? Or it's like, hey, I'm headed down to the grocery store. Do you need anything, Jake? He's like, yeah, I'll come for a ride with you. Why not? That's the kind of energy Jake exudes, and that's the kind of energy you'd want in a roommate, not just somebody who just, like, desperately needs you. And that's kind of cool. And I was like do his kids classify as dogs like he himself is like some weird metamorphosis animal thing but he's a dog he's a dog like say jake the dog in the title so he's a dog his kids are a mix of dog and rainicorn so i'm not gonna really classify them but i think he perfectly passes the dog test he is loyal to finn to his kids to his woman to the candy kingdom he is loyal to those people in his life he is intelligent. He is one of the smartest guys out there. But it's like that old stoner type of intelligence where it's just like a long, not like a weird story, but like how you have to get your life together. It's just like a parable. It's like, yeah, man, life comes at you in different ways. Experience it. There you go. And is he all around dog-like? Yeah, kind of. He's not like super dog-like, but he is technically a dog. He acts like a dog. He looks like a dog. He behaves like a dog at times. So he's just a damn right dog. So obviously Jake is really in here and I say Snoopy would win the fight. Jake has probably the biggest chance of surviving in all this, except maybe for our next one, who could actually take the win. So I was making this list and I was telling it to my sister. I'm like, here's who I got on my list. And she's like, you know who you should put on the list? She said, you should put the dog from that meme where he's sitting in the house that's on fire. And he says, this is fine. And I'm like, you're right. I should. 
we don't really have any other context for that dog. But yeah, I should put him on the list because he's a cartoon dog. He's going to kick your ass. He's just going to literally take the world around him. And to me, that's how you win the fight. That's how you win the fight. You are just so unconcerned about everything else in the world that you're just sitting there letting it all unfold around you just like a complete nut or nutcase just watching this the flames spark up you're like this is it i've accepted my fate here i go so i don't know if that dog actually has a name he's the this is fine dog to me he he checks off all the boxes he seems loyal whatever's in that house that he loves he's staying there even when the flames are ablaze so i think that's cool he's intelligent enough to know like he can't win the circumstances so he's going to accept his fate and he's dog enough to know, yep, I got nothing else for me. So he's very much dog. And he's the type of dog you'd want in your corner. Just the guy who sees all the shit you're going through. And he's just like, yeah, dude, it happens. You're going to be fine because of it. The world could literally burn around you, but you'll still be fine. Because this is fine. Ah, that's cool. What a nice dog. And the last one I had on my list was Courage. Again, I'm probably going to do a bigger video at some point about those Nickelodeon shows. But... Courage is just everything about Scooby-Doo, but upped a little bit where he's more insane and crazy. And I could, I just can't say Courage is the best. I just can't. The same way I can't say Stitch is the best dog, because I would put Stitch as the best dog if he was really a dog. Courage is just so close to being perfect, but he's not really there. I think he is loyal enough where he's, he won't leave your side because he's got nowhere else to go. He's smart enough to... Uh, is Courage really smart? He is smart-ish. And he's dog-like enough, but he's cowardly. And that's not really like a trait you see in some dogs. Sure, you see it in others, but I think he's just not really there yet. So Courage, I think he's iconic and he's a recognizable dog. But he's not one I'd want to take care of because he's frightened of everything. And I don't got the time or patience for that. And he's just not special enough where I think he cracks the top of the list. I think Courage is one of the first to die. Now, like I said, if we're looking at the list of these creatures like they're fighting, I do think the one walking away at the end of the day is Snoopy. I think the ones that got a chance are Snoopy, Blue, Kung Fui, Brian Griffin, and Snoopy. Did I say Snoopy twice? Whatever. But Snoopy wins. Snoopy's going to win the fight. Snoopy is the most talented dog out there. He's the one I'd want more than any other dog except maybe well who we got here jake would be fun roommate scooby would be a fun roommate too i think the one i'd want the most is blue or snoopy just to, you know they're smart they're capable they could take care of themselves but you can have a good time with them nonetheless so those are the best cartoon dogs and before we go away for this episode i do like to end things with a couple of recommendations for you and there's a couple of good things here we talked about them at the beginning of the show watch the golden girls watch the last picture show watch in the heat of the night and watch full house support those talented people because they deserve to be remembered and those are some of their finest works you could see out there of course watch the anything of scooby-doo because most of it's great of course you know watch the snoopy show on apple tv because it's great and blue's clues is just a really fun show too and i guess if you're feeling frisky for it you could check out that new clifford the big red dog movie not that i'm sure you'd want to but it's something you could do if you were obliged to it now that is going to do it for this episode of the geek wave please let me know what dog you'd want to take care of or what dog you think would win in a fight or who is your favorite cartoon dog i think it's snoopy and blue those are the two i think stick the landing for me and make it special 
So thank you guys so much for watching this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. If you are listening to this on the podcast feed, please give us a rating over there. That definitely helps everything out. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I will catch you in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck.